Previously on Quest Friends. Alone. You are alone. You will be alone. You should be alone. You will make yourself alone. Carl. I, uh, promise you that whatever I can get you, whatever I do, I will do it with you. And my love for you, and he waves his hand, the candle turns on, will never flame out. And meanwhile, Mauve uh, turns over to Everett, and she picks up a conspicuously rapier-sized case. I want to wait till you were ready to give you this, but, uh, but who am I kidding? You were always ready. You just, just open it when you recognize that. Okay, so after the evening's incidents, Hopper at this point, by the way, is probably just finally getting the quail to bring upstairs. So he's still doing the stuff from last episode, but we've got some stuff for everyone else. So I know that things have been kind of irregular, but I would imagine that when it comes to evening, you all kind of slip back into your routine. So Ellie going back to her room, Shot going back to his room, and then Misha maybe a little more apprehensively, but but walking around the the prodigious while uh, Jesse follows them around. Misha, I think this time is not actually even going to walk around. They're just going to stay in their room kind of staring at a wall. <laughs> they don't even have the energy to put Jesse to sleep. They can do whatever they want. Okay, well, that's good because Jesse gets very excited to go explore things and actually bounds out of the room like a dog ready to go on a walk. Oh, okay. Do you follow or do you stay in the room? No, Misha, Misha is, is, doesn't notice. They would in other instances, but they're just staring at a wall right now. Sounds good. Ellie goes back to her room that is filled with more and more fathers. Yeah, actually, that's the funny thing. So Ellie, you get back to your room and you open up the door and just a pile of fathers fall out. These <laughs> these self-replicating feathers have replicated so much that they have literally filled every square inch of your room. And as hard as you push, there is no getting inside there. It is too soft. It just scoops you up and spits you back out. I'm not even that upset about it. I've been sleeping on the floor anyway. <laughs> so what do you do? Well, I haven't been sleeping that much, actually. I've been busy being sick, and then I was busy going and piling things in front of Ray's door. <laughs> I guess I'm gonna... What time is it? Is it, like, late? Like, it's like, people... it's bedtime. It's night. I'm gonna go see Ray. Ray opens up the door. She is in her pajamas at this point. It's the same as her regular outfit. She just doesn't have the coat. The dress is more of like a nightgown. And she does, in fact, yes, wear slippers. Ellie and thinks they're adorable. Because they are. Yeah. Uh, and she opens up the door and immediately goes, Ellie, is, is something wrong? Is there an emergency on the ship? No. Um, I, I sort of accidentally filled my room with fathers. She just turns. How many people are on this boat? Ellie, how many feathers, people did you bring on this fe boat? Fe feathers. Feathers fought. They're, 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 oh. they're feathers, but then the fathers, because they're the ones that I didn't realize, but they're the ones that make more and more. And now I can't go into my room. Oh, 
yes, I understand. Not fathers, but fathers. Well, that makes sense. And she walks back through the door and walks into her room, but leaves it open. Just to check, does this mean yes, I can come in? Yes, you're invited in. <laughs> well, I'm gonna go into that room. Ray's room is immaculate. Its careful arrangement draws your eyes past the painted wood chair by the door, over to a neatly arranged desk behind a tall chair, and all the way beyond memorabilia of family and friends back to the doorway again. The earthly scent of reading candles brings your mind back down to the ground. You forget that candles could be this comforting. But honestly, everything in this room is comforting. In fact, the only part of the room that isn't perfectly put together is a pile of birthday gifts given to Ray by an unknown admirer. And while she hasn't found a place for these items to call home yet, the care she has given them is unmistakable. And Ray sits down in her rocker chair and in the middle of a pile of bricks pulls out a disguised book and opens it up. Bit of a rebel there, Ray, huh? Bringing books aboard. <laughs> I fought in rebellions, Ellie. This is nothing. Yeah, I know. And Ellie's, like, a look passes over her face. Like, the little, like, sparkling eyes, you know, you're so cool. <laughs> when Ray says she's fought in rebellions. <laughs> and she actually gets really excited and she says, well, actually, I've been talking to other professors, Professor Kubo, in fact, and I found some very interesting evidence about this jagged dream situation that I'd love to go over if you have the time. Yes, that would be great. I don't know. Why didn't I think of that? Never mind. Yes, <laughs> please tell me all of the things that you know. And Ray instinctually, while reading the book, just waves her hands and just casually says something that she actually said a lot when you were dating. And she says, well, you have your talents and I have mine, and that's why we work together so well. And she immediately just follows it up by pointing and just continuing to talk about the Jagged Dream stuff. So I've learned some very interesting things about this Ezra. Not only the abilities that they can do, very interesting the connection to stratic life. My theory that I'm posing together after a little and bit of And Ellie, I imagine you're paying some attention to what Ray's saying. But as sometimes happens when you're invited over to somebody's house at night to do homework, you might be a little distracted. What's going on in Ellie's brain? Ellie genuinely is listening, but there's definitely a little part of her that is just not sure how to handle this situation. She's not really gone to people's houses at night to do homework, and she's just kind of flipping her hands over uncomfortably, like, fiddling with her fingers. She's just really not sure, like, what to do. She's just standing there awkwardly, but she is listening. Okay, good. So anyway, she continues talking and eventually it goes from there. It starts with conversation about Ezra. It moves on to further conversation, just learning a bit about your allies. How did you even meet these people, Ellie? So these were the people I met when I unleashed a world-ending cloud of spiders. Oh, <laughs> one of those Ellie stories. All right. And she turns over and she pulls out a bottle of wine and uh, two glasses. I think we might need some of this then. You gonna let me drink one of those or are they both for you this time too? You know, I can put I can put this away at any no, time. No, no, that's that's not necessary. I I was I was I was making making a a, a, a funny 
doing funny joke. I I did I it wasn't very funny. I'm sorry. Ray laughs. All right, and we're gonna cut away if that's okay. Uh, but also, what was what was that conversation about Ezra Kyle? I feel like that was something. Yeah, yeah. I, I I, was... Emily said she was listening. I, that feels like something that we and the listeners are yeah. entitled to. Okay, know. you. Okay, here's the, here's the down low. I'm gonna give you three facts. Three facts about Ezra. Okay. <laughs> One, Ezra is selfish, not a team player. Two. When Ezra said that they would give Anastasia power during the coup of Anquan, that was meant very literally. For a period, it was almost like Anastasia was slinging spells out there. And three... Do you have any theories on how Ezra could have taken control over Misha? Well, it seems that perhaps being in an elevated emotional state makes one more susceptible to the influence of the jagged dream. After all, from what I've heard, it sounds like your friend was rather compromised after the salt and pepper rally. Although that is a peculiar thing. Your friend is a machine, correct? As far as we know. Well, from what I've read about the tattoos, Ezra should not have been the one to influence Misha. Patience over machines. Action over organic. Strife over stratic. Ezra's influence, mind control, whatever you want to call them powers, don't influence mechanical life. They influence life from the data sphere. Speaking of Misha, Shock, as you go back to your room, you can see Misha is sitting there with the open door. Jesse hasn't left yet. They're still bouncing around the walls. Jesse's sleep schedule is so messed up. Shock will wait for Jesse to leave. <laughs> Just standing there. Pew, 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 pew. Jesse is down the halls, God knows where. Look. Jesse is a fucking adult. They can take care of themselves. Okay, one of those statements is true. You decide. <laughs> you know, like we've, we we joke about the NPC children, but Jesse is an adventurer. <laughs> anyway, Shock waits for Jesse to head on out and then slips into Misha's room. Or you said Misha was like standing or sitting. I was thinking they were laying down as if oh. as if they were asleep, but like they're not. They're just laying. Staring at the wall. I assuming that the bed is right next to a wall. Okay. Alright. Shock wants to like sit down on the bed and say, I think through the mental link. Hey. It's okay if you don't want me to be around right now, but I thought you might not want to be alone. Misha at Shock being like, I figure you didn't want to be alone right now. Um yeah, they're going to like flinch a little bit at that phrase. But then they are going to reply and say, please stay if you want. I, I enjoy your company, Shock. I do. And I know I apologized before, but I want to do it again for what happened earlier today and for the things that Sir Kentrum said earlier too. I, I apologize for that, Shock. Shock will scooch a little bit closer and, like, hold one of Misha's hands. Mm -hmm. Everybody complicates everything in their lives for everyone around them. That's just how it works. I had a, had a big plan earlier with the kazoo, and he pulls it out again. 
I was going to play this earlier after the rally, but things didn't really work out that way. Things happen to you when you're alive, and they don't always go according to plan, but it doesn't mean it's bad. And I, I just wanted you to know that I'm not going to abandon you for any reason. I want to stay with you. I want to help you figure out what's going on, what we can do to try to make it right. And, well, and then Shock will take out the kazoo. If you want, I could play it now, just to pass the time. And we said that will smile. I would love that Shock. And Shock will smile too and say, well, I, I haven't really been playing this much, so it can't really compare to, to your performance, but... For what I've heard earlier today, I think it was beautiful. <laughs> Song of reference to something? It's Persona 5! That's I swear to my bones, that's the emotional song that plays in everything in Persona 5. I mean, I don't think I did the first part right, but I did the chorus bit right. Uh, I, I believe you. Damn it! <laughs> Fuck! Yeah, because I was like, is it the battle song? No. no. Is it the jail song? No. no. And so I was trying to think which one it was. It plays when you name the Phantom Thieves and during like particularly emotional moments. I know that you haven't reached all of those moments yet. <laughs> my, my brain is just filled with... That's so But yeah, anyways, Misha will think this song is beautiful, even if Ari, out of context, did not recognize the song. And they will be like, see, I, I told you it would be beautiful. Hello and welcome to the announcement break for Quest Friends episode 50, Crime and Courtship part 15. I gotta keep yelling or you're gonna start hearing the horses in my throat because I'm sick, which is why the episode's a few days late. But I really, really want to get this out to you as soon as possible. So I'm just, I'm really excited, not only about the fact that this is our 50th episode, but also I just really like this episode. There are cool things coming. And two of those cool things are going to come as soon as I tell you that our intro and outro song are Friends and Atoshio, both by Miracle of Sound. All right, let's get to those two cool things. The first one is one of our first Patreon shoutouts that we've had in a while. Again, these one-time in-character NPC shoutouts go to any Patreon subscriber who subscribes at a $5 a month or above. And this week's is for... This week's shout-out is for Juniper. Juniper wants Cubo, that's me, to actually explain the Great Angle Exodus of the Seventh World. Hmm. The Great Angle Exodus has a lot of information about it, but I will try to condense it as best as I can. In order to understand the Great Angle Exodus of the Seventh World, you need to understand the obtuse instruments of the Oh dear, I'm afraid that's entirely too much information to contain in a single sentence. Therefore, I will say the short version. 
left triangles were originally created as a way to counteract the evil acts of acute angles. Unfortunately, in addition to having a left angle, left triangles also included two acute angles and completely failed at their job. Therefore, they were exiled from the planet. All right, thank you so much, Juniper, for that ask, and thank you so much, QO, for that explanation, even if I don't really understand it any more than I did before. It's fine. And who knows, maybe I'll untangle that longer rambling explanation and just kind of throw that up online somewhere. Maybe to the Patreon subscribers. Mm. In addition, we have another announcement, and that is we are going to be at C2. E2. If you don't know what C2E2 is, it is a Chicago con. It happens from February 28th through Sunday, March 1st. So Friday the Sunday. Our specific panel called Pop Quest, a role-playing adventure created by you, is going to be in their family-friendly section. And what it is, is going to be a mixture of like a performance and a kind of interactive, improvisational, collaborative art, where essentially I'm going to come in with no notes. And what's going to happen is I'm going to ask the people who have joined the panel to come up with ideas. Where is the story taking place? Who are the main characters? What should I give the players as a GM intrusion? That kind of fun stuff. If this sounds like something you'd be interested in, again, this is going to be at the workshop area of Family HQ on Sunday, March 1st, 2020. Currently, we're starting at 1.45 p.m. This might change. I don't know, you know, how concrete it is. But the point is, C2E2, probably on Sunday, we're going to be there. And it'd be great if you were too. All right, that's all I've got for you today. Thank you so much for listening to the past 50 episodes of Quest Friends, and I'm excited to join you on many, many more. Starting with our next episode, which will be released on Monday, January 20th. I'll see you then. You hang out in Misha's room a little bit, but eventually, I'd imagine, you probably need to make it back to your own for sleep. Yeah, sure. Eventually. But we can keep mental linking through the wall. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So you get up and you just start immediately texting. Millennials. I feel like it's, it's probably closer to that thing where you're like in bed calling each other, like slowly drifting off to sleep. Um, something along those lines. And yeah, you go back to your room and honestly, probably half of it is also just to check on Everett because he hasn't been around for a while. Like he was not at the uh, salt and pepper rally. He was barely at dinner, left as soon as he saw there weren't any smashed potatoes. <laughs> Was very upset about the whole thing. Shock was also deeply distressed, but that just happened off screen. Just Shock falling to his knees in despair. (laughs) So you enter your room and it feels different. Everett is sitting on the bottom bunk, staring at a fresh puddle on the floor. In this puddle lie a whisk, a rolling pin, and an open letter. And on Everett's lap, the opened rapier case spills out not a weapon but even more cooking supplies. Oh my god. While Everett's tears make the puddle even bigger. You hear a big sniff, and Everett looks up to meet your eyes. (laughs) They're not coming back, are they? No, I I don't think they are. (laughs) So you remember, you had, like, asked me how I, like, 
figured out my nano powers or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, I, I did. I actually didn't know what they were for a long time. I would just, um, I would blink and people would disappear. I still really don't know now if it was because my eyes stopped showing them or if they, um, if they just left when I was looking the other way. Anyways, um, I got in a fight. Don't tell Jesse this, but I'm actually not good at fighting. <laughs> so I was, I was the only one who had to see the doctor after that fight. Every time I opened my eyes, there were only t two people I saw. There, there was this really nice doctor and then this lady who had a, a little floating pail with her. They said I could stick around, but I didn't want to be too, too much. I tried to help out by cooking. Um, they always said they liked it, and and it and it was it was nice. It was nice to close my eyes and realize everything was going to be in the same place when I opened it. And now it isn't. Shock, if ever it will let him, will come sit on the bed. Also, I don't know what it's like to be that scared in that way. I've had different reasons for being afraid, a lot of them, and I've been alone for a long time too, but it wasn't quite like that. We can't get them back, but that also doesn't mean everyone is gone. But like, what if they are? We were in Charmande, and then we were in a city that had, I think, a revolution? And now we're in a boat in the middle of the air with the death cult, and I just hate it. I know Jesse likes adventuring so much, and I want to pretend that I like it too, but I hate it so much. I just feel so scared and so unsafe all the time, and I just, I, I don't want to hold them back, but I don't know what I'd do without them. I don't think you could ever hold us back. But if you don't feel safe, then, and I've, I've heard from various nanospirits that this is a healthy thing humans do, you should probably tell everyone you care about about it, because we can't figure out what we want to do next if we don't know. But what if they decide that they don't want to be around me anymore? Sometimes you just have to take a leap of faith. I have so few words. <laughs> what is this, Aladdin? Oh, I was, I was, I was doing Enter the Spider Verse. Clearly, but... oh, <laughs> uh, uh, it's. You know what? You know what? Shock is going to say. Look, you are part of a strange group, and so is Jesse. And from what I have seen of them over these past few weeks, they are perhaps caring and trusting to a fault. They don't want to hurt you. If you if you tell them the truth, I think they'll listen, and you can work out where your lives go from here. Um, I hope you're right, because the truth is, I, I claim to hate a lot of stuff, but um, I don't hate them at all. In fact, I kind of love them a lot. Any, any, anyways, that's how this whole cookie campaign started. It's really quite sweet. Uh, Ellie, I got is... that pun. <laughs> oh, right. I did a joke. You did a joke.
You did a joke and it was really funny. All your jokes are funny, but this okay this don't, one was really no, funny. No, don't don't lie to me, Ellie. Don't well, lie to Most of your jokes are really funny. Now that and she pours a little more. Now that's a joke. It's been hours. It's been a few minutes. Who fucking knows at this point? You two are having an uproarious time. You've been talking about all the things that have been happening over the past 15 years. And it's been nice. It's been it's been comfortable. But as she pours her her next glass of wine, Ray gets silent and she just says, "Okay, I promised myself I wouldn't ask. I promised myself I wouldn't ask, but I I have to. It's killing me. Ellie, what on earth is that third candle for? Well, I didn't ever really think I'd have to tell you, so I didn't, you know, think about, I guess, if I thought I was gonna have to tell you, then I wouldn't have done it. Okay. You figured out the other two, right? Yes, the husband who passed away and, and the child as well. They're for people I lost. The people I cared for the most who I lost and Ellie Badge and I'm gonna I have putting I'm gonna have put in a glass shattering sound effect <laughs> here. Ellie Badge, you mean to tell me that you put a candle for me and my daughter like we like we died. You mean to tell me that we were dead to you? I was dead to you. No, you weren't. I tried to be. I was I was upset. Yes, I was upset, but I didn't think, oh, Ellie Badge, just stick her in the ground already. Well, it wasn't an actual, it was a, a death of dreams. Oh, a metaphorical death. I've had breakups too, Ellie. I'll have you know. Sarah's father might as well be dead to me, but you don't see me marking a gravestone with him on it. Well, it was just like I already had the two. So why does just, just throw like us on? It felt the end of the world and I didn't know how to handle it. I don't, I don't know how to handle this. I don't know how to handle this. Ellie. It wasn't the smartest. I wasn't thinking, and in the moment, it felt like I was... And then I couldn't put it out because I had lost you. And I know So it am sounds... I still... So we're still lost, then? Is that what you mean to say? It sure... Sarah can't forgive me. And how do you expect other people to move on, Ellie? How do you expect other people to try to move past something when you're announcing it every second you're around? Well, no one knew, so it was fine. I could just stew by myself. Yes, by yourself, the thing you're so exceptionally good at. This was, this was silly. Then she starts putting uh, some of the stuff away. Ray, please, just, I don't have the right to ask, but will you listen just for a minute? She crosses her arms and sits down in her rocking chair. I didn't know how to handle a lot of things, and for way longer than I should have, I didn't think at all about how me not handling things would affect other people. 
I'm not gonna claim that I have all that much figured out, but I've learned a lot, especially recently with Zoe. And I guess it just felt so normal to have them lit. I never took the last step. And now I'm here and I want to put them out, but I don't know. I said I was gonna have a family with Carl and so I felt like I couldn't have a family with you. Do you think that I'll ever be able to talk to Sarah again? Ellie, when I met you, I knew very quickly what those candles were. Now, between now and then, there's a lot different. There's a lot more to answer for. But that doesn't make it too late. The only thing time's done is just added more things to work on. I think it's up to her to decide. But... I think if you're willing to put in the effort, just know that she's going to make you put in a lot more effort than I have. That that feels about right. I didn't get to talk to her, but I'm glad I got to see her, and I'm glad I got to see you. Ray, is there some place where I could just sit alone for a minute? Ray is going to sit there and she's going to look at you puzzled for a second. And then she'll say, yeah, I'll step out for a few minutes. And she'll step out of the room. So Ellie is going to take the hat off of her head and set it very gently in her lap and just stare at it for a minute. Look at the three little flames. And she's gonna hold up her hand and start waving it and stop it right before and think about it. going to wave her hand in front of the first candle, or I guess the third candle, the candle for Ray and Sarah. And she's going to look at the second candle, well, the first candle, the one for the baby, and she's going to wave her hand in front of it. And Carl's candle? See, that's that's the hard one, because <laughs> she has kids She has her many kids, and she's found some closure with Ray, but there's still Carl, and he's still gone. As she waves her hand in front of Carl's candle, Ellie is going to hum to herself.
gonna sit there and she's gonna look at you puzzled for a second. <laughs> she's a professor of puzzles. <laughs> Where did you find it? Where did you find one? I thought they were rare. Oh, I just I just asked Ellie if I could borrow one of the spare kazoos from the band room. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> there's uh, there's more than there are spare kazoos in the band room. There's a, just a bucket, the kazoo bucket. Michelle will take a note for later. Michelle will remember this. Misha comes armed to the final battle, just kazoos dat taped everywhere. <laughs> and that'll be the credit. That'll be the mid-episode break. Mid-episode? What? <laughs> what else is there? Well, you gotta ask Misha out. It's... <laughs> There'll be a way for it to happen. But the next day is prom. There's nothing else to do. Trust me. I'm not sure I do. Does this mean I don't get to ask Ray out? You can do that later, all right? We're not going to be like, hey, we're talking about Ezra. Date me, please. It was like, forget the prologarchy. All of these plans just... Kyle's like, oh, wouldn't it be fun if your date was interrupted by some genuine trauma? I know, right? What if it was now impossible to ask someone out on a date because trauma happened right now? I know, right? Guess prom's fucking canceled. I have, I had a plan. A plan for what? Trauma? We'll, we'll, we'll get there. Don't worry about it. Ah!